What is up, everybody? Welcome out to the weekend wrap-up with the Game Time Guru. What a weekend it was, ladies and gentlemen, in the sporting world. So first off, I want to begin by saying that this weekend, um, I was on my Instagram page, and I woke up on Sunday morning to a pretty sweet chat that was going on. I was invited to a Gary Vaynerchuk chat um, with a, a lot of other entrepreneurs. I think it was like 13, 14 other entrepreneurs, 13 of them. Um, we were all just discussing stuff and um, getting you know ideas out on the table. And at the beginning of that chat, Gary Vaynerchuk was actually interacting with us, talking about the Jets um, and whether or not they should or should not win that game and this and that. It's actually a really cool experience. That said, I also was able to line up three different interviews um, from that chat line because I was able to meet some new people. So I have three new interviews potentially uh, coming, two of them this week, and then another one potentially um, coming next week. So this week is going to be full of interviews. I've got um, two scheduled and then one on Sunday that I'll be doing as well. So three interviews coming this week for the Game Time Guru. So keep an eye out for that. It was just a really cool chat that we got into on Sunday morning. So first I want to start off by talking about the Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield. I won't go too deep into this because last week I talked about Baker and I don't want to like beat a dead horse, but I thought it was a well-deserved Heisman Trophy. I thought he was the best player in college football. One point I did want to make though uh, was the fact that Lamar Jackson had put up video game numbers yet again um, and didn't really see any love whatsoever. And I think a lot of it had to do with the overall um, success of his team. And a guy that's going to be coming on to the podcast this Sunday, and I'll be posting that uh, podcast in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about the different awards, like the MVPs and the Heisman trophies and stuff like that in different leagues and, and whatnot, and what those awards really mean. And is it even possible to win the award two times in a row? Uh, why don't they give it to the most deserving player and this and that or whatever? Because uh, it's it's possible that Baker Mayfield's success of his actual team, the fact that they're in the college football playoff, uh, played a major role in that because if you look at Lamar Jackson's numbers as a quarterback, his rushing touchdowns, his passing touchdowns, his overall numbers um, far exceed any player in college football as far as like his overall um, utility. Like he's he's a uh, a huge weapon on the field for any team. So it's going to be an interesting topic. But I did think Baker did deserve that. Uh, I, I thought he deserved it, and I'm glad that he won it. Um, because he has been ever since I saw him against Ohio State, I have been watching him and kind of rooting them on because I, I like his style of play and he hasn't disappointed. So anyways, going into the NFL this week, guys, the big news was Carson Wentz, right? So y'all know me. I'm not a huge Carson Wentz fan. I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan. But last year, Carson Wentz completely disappointed me. I thought he was terrible. And that was what the analysis was. He did not look good last year in his rookie season. I thought he was very, very overrated. This year, he has most certainly surprised me as he's taken a lot of steps forward. Uh, a lot of that has to do with his receiving core. Sometimes you got to put the right people in place, and I think that's for anybody. Uh, any quarterback, basically, you know, you got to get him some sort of weapon, at least somebody who can catch the ball, right? So he gets these guys out there, and now he's just dominating because he gets his confidence, and he's able to play his game. So he's been killing it all season. The Eagles look amazing. You guys have heard me say it before. They are actually really good because not only do they have the – 
athletes on the field to get the job done, but they have the coaching staff that can make adjustments. Well, Carson Wentz goes down with a knee injury. We're going to find out later today um, if it was a torn ACL. Either way, whatever it was, even if he's not out for the rest of the year, he's got a knee injury, and so they're going to be, you know, watching that closely and uh, going into the playoffs. The timing of this injury couldn't have been any worse for the Eagles. Could not have been worse at all. Um, They're going in probably the best season they've had in a while, and they're going into the playoffs. They just clinched the NFC East, so that's awesome, but this is one of those dampers on the mood. It's almost like the Texans losing Watson uh, when they were rolling, but this one's right before the playoffs, so it's almost like it was worse timing in my opinion. that, that's what sucks. Uh, this is where I think we're going to see what the Eagles really have because I've said before they can make adjustments. That's what makes them lethal is that their coaching staff is really good and they have a good running game and a, and a really good defense. Now they need to get a quarterback that could throw the ball. Well, this is what, this is what we're going to have to see. Will we see the Nick Foles of old or the most recent type of Nick Foles, the guy who couldn't get it done after he left Philly? That's the problem. I know a lot of people will say like Jeff Fisher ruined him, couldn't get him to do his job because Jeff Fisher doesn't do well with quarterbacks and this and that. Like, you know, Jared Goff never saw success with Jeff Fisher, stuff like that. But no, I mean, even when uh, Foles had his amazing uh, one year with the Eagles, that one season, I think it was like two interceptions to his like 27 or 28, 29 touchdowns, whatever it may have been. When he had that season, when we played them, the Cowboys played him, he went out with a concussion. That whole game before that, though, he looked awful. And you can tell, like, when a player has good stats, like, we have stat watchers out there that just look at the stats, and they're like, well, that's a great quarterback. But if you watch the quarterback, you're like, no, that's he's not that great. Um, I don't think Foles is that great. Can he get the job done? That's what I'm willing to see. You know, I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. Never did, even when he was killing it. So it wasn't surprising to me that he left Philly and couldn't get it done. Um, He couldn't get the job done anywhere else that he went. Um, So here's the deal, though. If they put him in the positions to be successful, he's in a comfortable place where he's played before. He's around a team that he knows because he's been there all season. Um, All he's got to do is make the throws. He's got a good receiving core around him. Alshon Jeffries having one of his best seasons, in my opinion, that he's had in a long time. Um, I, who knows? Maybe they just pick up right where they left off and they just roll. If the coaching staff can make those adjustments, give the, you know, put, put a little more emphasis on the running game and make the throws easier for foals. I think they will be just fine. Uh, so that was a really big hit for the Eagles. Now, another game that happened this weekend, it was huge was the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Seattle Seahawks. It was big, not only for playoff implications, because the Seahawks are fighting for that wild card spot. Um, had they won this game, they would have been right up there with the with the Rams. Uh, but because they lost, now they're fighting for a wild card spot. And you've got like four or five teams going for that final wild card spot. And it's going to be crazy. So now it's it puts a lot more pressure on the Seahawks going into the next couple of weeks because in two weeks they've got the Cowboys, which could potentially be, I say potentially because it's very, you'd have to have a lot of help uh, be a playoff game for that because it would, you know, get that final wild card spot. Um, get, it at least put you in the front runner for the fi- final wild card spot. So anyways, here's the thing. Jacksonville goes in, or sorry, Seattle goes into Jacksonville. That game was insane. Um, Jacksonville has surprised me. I did not expect them. I, I mean, I've only watched two games of theirs this year. I, and then I get to see the highlights, which, you know, when you see the highlights, it's only the good or only the bad of those highlights. When I watched the highlights of Jacksonville, I was like, yeah, 
they look all right. But when I watch them against the Seahawks, their defense, the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, is actually amazing. Um, they have their flaws, like near the end of the game when they let off the pedal and they, you know, they let the, the Seahawks kind of dissect them and make some big plays. But the majority of the game, they were just crushing them. The, the Jaguars have just such an amazing front seven as well as their corners. They've got some good corners and uh, defensive backs there. I mean, dude, they, they look good. I was like, man, that's a playoff defense. Now, the question that comes to mind is whether or not the quarterback play will be all right. Well, I thought Blake Bortles played a really good game, and that was a lot to do with the coaching staff. They got the running game going, and they made him – he, you know, they put him in positions to be successful where he could make the throws that he's able to make. He just didn't make a lot of mistakes. And that's what you got to, you know, with, with Blake Bortles, sometimes if you have a quarterback that, you know, has his weaknesses like that, just as long as they don't turn the ball over and you can run the ball and then your defense holds and you make the passes that you're supposed to make, sometimes that team can see a lot of success. And I think um, they're going to be exciting to watch when they get into the playoffs, um, assuming the Jaguars get into the playoffs. But they could be, you know, one of those matchups you don't want to see. Again, in that game, though, if you watch the very end of it, they're going into victory formation, which is a stupid thing anyways. It was a it was a chippy game, um, and they get into victory formation, and then Michael Bennett decides to roll up on one of the offensive linemen's knees, and then he tackles him and gets on top of him. It was kind of a bush, bush play at the end of the game. Uh, I can't stand Michael Bennett. I'm just going to say it right now. I think he's a piece of garbage. I, uh, I think him and his brother need to get out of the league. They're just, they're just phonies, in my opinion. They just wanted to make a statement, and they lied about it this year. Like both of them are liars, they make statements, and they wanted to get into the media and and try to, you know, make their voices heard. And ever since then, I lost respect for them. And then I see them on the field doing that crap, and I just didn't like it. That said, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars fans apparently felt the same way as there was a couple ejections going on. Uh, Richardson's leaving the field and the fans start throwing something at him and he almost went full out run our test up into the stands granted he's a little bit bigger boy I don't think he he, he looked like he was going to try to climb the fence and get up into the stands um I doubt he would even be been able to make it up there he would have gotten stuck but the thing is is like it could have gotten scary so that's uh that's a whole nother topic of uh, fans behavior at games and whether or not it's justified and what whatnot because that is a little bit scary when you're you know throwing stuff at an athlete that's competing at a high level and his his testosterone's rolling through you know and he's just in his competitive nature and he's frustrated and you do something like that to spark something um it doesn't look good for the league it doesn't look good for the fans so that was a really crazy ending to that game if you guys didn't watch it i'm sure you can find it on youtube but yeah it was crazy to end it what i did like though was the passion behind it everything it felt like a playoff game it felt like a very important playoff game for that matter so I'm excited for the playoffs coming up in a couple of weeks I don't care if my Cowboys don't make it I, I care I would like them to make it but I know they're not there yet watching them yesterday we said they're not a playoff team yeah uh, we'll see when Ezekiel Elliott gets back in two weeks but the Cowboys made made some good adjustments they played well in the second half uh, but yeah I would I would like to see good playoff football so if the Cowboys don't make it but there's good playoff football then I have a little bit of a consolation um, one other thing in the NFL is LaShawn McCoy makes the, the winning touchdown in the snow in Buffalo. I, it just reminded me, I wanted to, to, to bring this up today. A couple years ago, I had LaShawn McCoy as my running back in, in uh, fantasy, and he actually ended up being the best running back in fantasy. It was when he was with the Eagles. Um, they were playing a snow game against the Giants, or sorry, not the Giants, the Lions, I believe. 
and I was like, gosh, dang it. I shouldn't have started LaShawn McCoy, but apparently he had the best game of his career. He was, was like 200 plus yards running uh, because nobody could tackle him and all he had to do is keep his feet. Um, and so it's just funny to see that LaShawn McCoy actually is better in the snow. That's all I'm going to say. He's one, or at least he's the best running back in the snow. I wouldn't say he's better. He's actually a really good running back, but uh, in the snow, that dude flourishes. Um, to, to finish it up, guys, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA. Okay. We're talking about basketball. Something that came to my attention, and it's been brought up a couple times in the media, but I want to kind of focus on it for a second, is the Pacers and the Knicks, right? These two teams that got rid of their quote-unquote superstars. You can, yeah, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Don't know if you can really call them superstars, but whatever they are, they're better players, they're best scorers, whatever you want to call them. Got rid of them in the trade over to Oklahoma City, right? So taking a look at both of these teams, man, we already kind of know that the Knicks are killing it right now with Kristaps and then Cantor's doing extremely well over there. Um, they've got a good little, like, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is huge for them this year. That's why they're seeing success. The Knicks are going to make the playoffs and they're probably going to be the seven or eight seed, but they might cause some trouble because that team is actually really good. They, they play physical and they play well together and basketball is back in New York. So they're excited for that. Now, what makes me laugh, though, is that that team has improved since last year because they've become more of a team. It's not so much isolation ball. And then if you look over at the Pacers, it's the same exact thing. Victor Oladipo has one of his better games this weekend, dropping 40-plus, right? So Oladipo drops um, – uh, it was like 40 – let me see here. He, I think it was like 46. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out off the top of my head. Um, let's see. 47. So he drops 47 points, right, in the game. Victor Oladipo, 47 points. This guy is from Indiana, and I remember watching him when he was in college, his freshman year, and he was athletic as all get up, right? He could get up and slam it down, jump as high as he could. Like He was really athletic, but he had no shot, like no shot at all. He was just an athlete, and I was like, this guy's never going to make it in the NBA if he leaves right now, but he decided he was going to leave. He wanted to go for the money. And I haven't seen anything from Victor Oladipo. Uh, like, he has his flashes up and down, like in Orlando, all this stuff. But, like, he he never really showed me that he would make it. And, in fact, I thought he was going to just taper out. Uh, I thought when he was with the Thunder, he was going to be a perfect fit for them. And he didn't really, you know, come through like I was hoping, him, hoping he would. He, he has his moments. But then he goes over to his hometown. He's in Indiana. He's playing. He's in front of his home crowd all the time. I think he's comfortable. This year, he is smashing it. Um, I'm impressed with this Pacers team. So it's kind of interesting to, to see how the Thunder are just having such a hard time meshing right now. They just can't mesh. And I, I like their players. I like their team. I'm excited for the Thunder going forward. But the Pacers and the Knicks, guys, keep an eye on these guys. This is this is a lesson for other people to learn, too. They play as a team, and that's what it takes. You're going to have these individual superstars in the NBA. That's what it, that's the NBA is a superstar league. You know what I mean? But sometimes, if you can have that really good player, and then the rest of your team is is playing well, like the Lance Stevensons that can come in there and fill in and actually make an impact, uh, Victor Oladipo and the rest. Man, if you can play well together, you can you can make a fight because sometimes all it takes is a bad matchup in the playoffs, and you end up making an upset. So. I'm just really interested in those two. I'm excited to see what happens going forward. Uh, the Cavaliers' streak was broken. 
at uh, they they lost at 13 games and then got right back at it the next night. Um, I am excited about that though. It looks like the Cavaliers are rolling pretty well. They're starting to mesh. Um, the Celtics are still you know flying high. And the Raptors, so this Eastern Conference, you know, your top four teams, the Wizards aren't playing as well as I thought they would, but I think they'll they'll pick it up before the playoffs start. This Eastern Conference, where I thought it was going to be extremely weak this year because of everything going on, um, and it was just going to be like the top two teams, I, I actually believe now that I'm seeing it and I'm seeing these matchups, I don't believe in the Raptors quite yet, but I do think that you're about six six teams deep in the Eastern Conference that could legitimately fight each other, you know, and, and make upsets, and any one of them could beat them. Uh, I think the Knicks, the way that they're put together, could beat any of the top three teams. And what I mean by that is I think the Knicks could beat the Cavs. I think the Knicks could beat the Celtics. I think the Knicks could beat the Raptors. Um, I really do, or at least match with them for a, a series. So I'm excited to see where the NBA goes moving forward. Now, guys, I'm going to wrap this up with a weekend wrap up. I want you guys to make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Okay. Subscribe to my podcast because my episodes come out every single Friday. And this week is going to be an awesome episode about high school football. I'm talking with Daniel Jenkins. He played running back at St. John Bosco in California. And we're going to talk about the difference between the high school football there and the high school football here talking about private schools. It's a really intriguing conversation. Plus he's a Lakers fan. So if anybody's a Lakers fan it might help you out and get you a little bit of a buddy to listen to, uh, cause y'all know I hate the Lakers. So, uh, here are his predictions going forward, but yeah, we've got a lot of good stuff coming on the game time guru moving forward. So stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. If you think they'll enjoy it, it's, uh, it's helpful for me if you can share it with your friends and they subscribe to the podcast um, and then leave me a review and I can know what content to bring out for you guys. But yeah, I appreciate you guys listening in. We got, we got bowl season coming up starting on Saturday. We got Boise State taking on Oregon. Uh, that's going to be a good one. I think Boise State is going to have a, have more of a struggle than people think. I think Oregon's going to be a, a, a semi-tough matchup for us uh, because their defense is just as good as ours. And I don't necessarily trust our offense yet. That's all I'm going to say. I, I, I think we're good. I just don't trust our offense because you don't know what you're going to get. I'm like a box of chocolates, right? It's what I said about Ohio State. It's kind of what I say about Boise State. I just don't know which uh, Brett Rippon we're going to get. I don't know, you know, which you know, playbook we're going to get. It's uh, you never know. So um, this weekend is going to be an exciting one. Um, I think that Oregon game is going to be fun to watch. All right, guys. So make sure you stay tuned for the Game Time Guru. New episodes every Friday. If you didn't catch last week's, so make sure to go check it out. We're talking Big Ten football with the, uh, the cast from Offensively Challenged, their podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. I hope you have a good week. Thanks.